Welcome back, everybody, for another fun episode of the Rolex Whiskey Passion Project. want to thank everybody for listening. I'm loving seeing all the data that's coming in. I'm loving the ratings. Keep it up. We're going to keep having fun over here, you know, just bringing in people who are truly passionate about whiskey and just good people. Today, I have a gentleman who I actually, after all these years, finally just met in New York a few weeks ago. But he has a legendary spot. I'd like to welcome Michael Vacheris to the show. Michael is Travel Bar Brooklyn. And if you're ever in New York and you want to go on a whiskey rabbit hole, you better head down to Travel Bar. Mike, welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for the intro, man. That's great. Uh, hey. It's true. We, you know, we, we we talked through the Instagram messenger for years before meeting in person. Yep. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was like, and now it's so exciting to like, now that I've been there and like, you know, just, you know, I really, Mike's got an insane whiskey collection down there selection. And it's just, it's, if you really want to just not drink normal whiskey that you always drink and you want to go on an adventure or you want to learn travel bar is the place like honestly like sitting at the bar looking at your huge selection looking at all the cool like and i and i use it affectionately random whiskeys from all different parts of time and periods and distilleries it's fucking cool and i highly recommend anybody in the area to go check that out it's definitely on purpose, you know. I mean, uh, even if somebody comes in and orders something that is kind of standard, I try to talk them out of it if I have time. You know, you know, you could get that anywhere. Well, why don't you get something different that you can't get? Um, well, and I think that's the beauty. I think the education. You know, I think if, if if people like you are doing more of that, then people get to learn and they don't get stuck on you know vanilla ice cream. Oh, I get the same thing every time I go. Eh. Yeah. Why? It, it's kind of amazing. You know, one of the questions I ask every customer, because they say, what should I drink? And I say, well, what do you drink right now? You know, I'm not just, just going to pull it out of thin air. I want you to tell me what some brands you like. And even this far into the bourbon craze, you'd be amazed how many people, not to shit on these brands, they're fine brands, but you'd be amazed how many people still say Woodford, Makers, Bullet, which are brands <laughs> that are available in every whiskey bar, every bar really in America. But, uh, you know, they'll, then they'll follow it with, I, yeah, I don't know whiskey I want to learn. So that's great. <laughs> then, then I know where they're coming from, you know. Well, hey, those guys can feel grateful that the billions they've spent gets that, you know, thing to happen. You know, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, no. it, it, you know, it's an affirmative and you're a disruptor. <laughs> you're, you're disrupting their palates or understanding. But I think it's it's so key because there's just so much more out there. And I think that a whiskey bar would be doing itself a disservice to just say yeah sure here it is here's your woodford right. here's your makers here's your bullets you know i i mean obviously i you know around people be like oh you know my fa-. i'm like what's your favorite thing to drink and then whatever they say back i'm like man that's great marketing yeah. that really is um okay let's go on a little bit of a journey i'd like to go to mike's first experience drinking whiskey and what was it Cool. And you didn't have to like it. It was just you drinking. You had whiskey. Well, that's, I mean, I'm not saying this as a proud moment in my life. The first time I got drunk was 78. So yeah. uh, 79. <laughs> Let's correct that. It's it's <laughs> 79. My, my brother and sister <laughs> both graduated high school in 79. So, uh, so yeah. So, I mean, that was definitely uh, beer and, you know, whatever. Whiskey, I think the first whiskey I probably had 
it had it had to be Jim Beam white label. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I recently uh, was in Kentucky and I had some older white label and I'm not, you know, no disruption to Jim Beam. It's just never been my jam. Right. Um, but that older stuff was really something super unique, I thought. But, you know, I don't really I, have much I, I to would, compare to. <laughs> I would say the first the first whiskey that I bought on a regular basis as a young person was a Dickel White Label. Wow. That, OK, so that was something So you like, were American whiskey. You were American whiskey out the gate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, I also, you know, I, I was born and raised in Ohio and uh, listen up, kids. I could drink when I was 18 <laughs> legally. <laughs> uh, and actually, you could drink 3.2 beer when you were 18. And when you turn 19, you could drink everything. So uh, oh, wow. and so, yeah, so I drank a lot of cheap beer, obviously. But then I, I started working in, in fine dining very young. So I, I was around other things quickly. But uh, yeah. And, and what's, so it was fine dining now. What are we in the 80s? Yes. In the 80s, I worked fine dinings. Yeah. So and what's, what is, what's, what's a spirit bar look like? A spirit selection look like in fine dining in the 80s? That is an excellent question. And one that I try <laughs> to talk to people about whenever I can, because scotch was not in the picture. No, right? No, and there was like five American whiskeys and a shit ton of my, what I don't know, you tell me what was it? Well, it was it was the nicer places had a very nice cognac selection. That was it. Yeah. Uh yeah. you know, your your uh, Calvados selection, your Armagnacs, your um yeah, your brandies. That was where money was spent and then of course wine. So wine was always well because also in those glasses you had those big snifters. I mean, it was pomp and ceremony. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I remember working in fine and seeing like a cognac glass and like, whoa. And then you only pour that little liquid in there. You're like, oh, it's a moment. I'm like, wow. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you, uh, you fill that thing up. <laughs> I have a funny, funny memory of uh, this is early 90s working at a it was it was located. It was called Atwater. It was in Portland, Oregon. And we used to do a drink that was called the black tie. And you would take a brandy snifter and fill it with hot water and then take a Collins glass and pour Jack Daniels Black and Amaretto into the Collins glass and then sit it down inside the snifter. So the liquid got heated and the glass got heated. And after a minute, you would take out the Collins glass, dump out the hot water from the brandy snifter, and then pour the black tie cocktail back into the brandy snifter. That was a yeah. hot cocktail in the early 90s. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I remember because in South Africa... Kind of thing it was called like a flaming springbok and they did the same thing where it was like kalua amaretto and something else but they would warm the whole thing up yeah and it would just go down it would go down like almost like a piece of chocolate yes you know <laughs> but, it was, but you didn't sit there and sip it like you would see these big brandy and cognac glasses you know after a dinner that whole like ceremony which i you know this was also you know back in my day which was you know a whopping maybe decade after you there was a lot of port being yes. drank post dinner Absolutely. yeah a lot Absolutely. of port and and, yeah. and that was the tiny little glass so you would have the port glass that was this teeny weeny and then you'd have cognac oh no no this thing's the size of your fist all right now here's your here's your ounce and a half of fine cognac in there and they, and they would sit there so with the, the oldest, selections not much hmm? go, go. No, the, the oldest thing i've ever drank in my life was an 1856 madeira that i served to mario andretti Wow. I served him a glass and he said, sit down. And I sat there and drank the bottle with him. Wow. 
And, and back in then, that was probably like $9. No, I'm kidding. No, no, that was, that was that <laughs> if I remember, it was like $600. You know, it was a lot of money back then. <laughs> oh, but, wow. Um, that, that, that is super cool. So, okay. So you're working, you're working, you're in the business, you know. When yeah. do you start to see like a predominantly whiskey with an E and whiskey with a Y spirit selection start to grow in these fine dining places? You know, that's interesting. I moved to New York in 2002, and even then it wasn't a focus. It was still, you know, my first long-term job in New York was Gotham Bar and Grill, and by far the biggest cocktails were Appletinis and Cosmos. Mm -hmm. And Cosmos. as bartenders... Well, you didn't, wait, 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 you didn't do mojitos? And you had to muddle uh, all that shit no, and kill everybody? <laughs> we were done with that. But, you know, in the service bar for that restaurant, we would put... Pellegrino bottles full of pre-mixed stuff, you know, it's just, yeah, uh, just, you were just slamming those things out all night. Uh, and whiskey really wasn't a focus at all, even on cocktail menus, let alone. Um, no. And then no, you uh, would have a, you would have a, you would have an old fashioned. That was your whiskey cocktail. You're like, and you're good. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so it, it's relatively recent, really. I mean, uh, I worked at a bar called Masa bar Masa in the time mm -hmm. center. I worked there for three and a half years as the head bartender. And that's really the first place that I got to have uh, premium whiskey. And it just happened to be uh, Japanese whiskey. But I mean, yes. while I was the, while I worked there, I ordered a bottle of Hirsch 16, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, got to, got to enjoy that liberally, but uh, it was starting to hit the radar. Uh, that was 2004, 2005 um black maple hill was big um yeah all, all the wax tops all the wax tops exactly so all of some things were popping up but it really wasn't mainstream media it was just if you were in the know or if you had a friend who was into it or you know um but yeah whiskey but no, I, 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 I went like so, so but at masa they did because they had japanese whiskey and you got the bottle of Hirsch. Were they starting to dabble in a little bit of single malts? Yes, but it was really, really basic. Just like, you know, we had just like, you know, when you talk about the fine dining and it being cognac back in the day, every bar had the Diageo set uh, <laughs> and uh, every bar had Glenn and the Glens. Don't forget the Glens, the, exactly. the so, Limit, the Finnick, the Johnny Walker Blue, Black. Exactly. Yeah. So, Shivis, uh, Shivis, if you had foreigners that came in. You exactly. have a bottle of shivers ready for them. Johnny Black, I, Johnny Walker Black is, you know, was king for a long time. So, okay, so and now we're, we're into what we're in the mid two thousands, yeah, or towards two thousand and nine. Like when I say mid two thousand, before two thousand and ten. Okay, yeah. so you're in the game. So at this point, what? Okay, let's go back to the Hirsch. What made you order that for the bar? You you already had an idea what was going to come, or you tried it, or you're like, fuck it, I can order what I want. Yeah, no, I I just could do what I wanted, you know. I mean, but but you have to understand it's a it's a it's a sushi restaurant. We had yeah. five, we had tiny bottles of sake that were five hundred dollars. You know, it, I, it was whiskey was not the focus on purpose because the style of food we're serving. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I wanted to order it because I wanted to taste it, and I could, so I did. Um, I you know, and I'm never a person who's like, oh, I wish I hadn't opened it, you know. No. I'm no, happy. no, no. There's a, but there's a time and a place for that. Honestly, there is because Absolutely. it's like, you, you know, there's it, it's a hard pill to swallow because you didn't know. You know, I had a, I had a gentleman on last, you know, and he was originally like 
he opened the Willet Bar. And he's like, fuck, if I would have known about that gift shop, you know, prior to that and bought that, I, w- I could have paid for my whole restaurant pretty much. You yeah. Know? Nobody knew. Nobody, you know, it, was, it wasn't what it was. It, 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 it's obviously very different now. So what was the first, now you're in, and obviously you have an inclination to try stuff because you ordered the 16. What was your first like whiskey memory of like, wow, that's different and that's good? Uh, that's a pretty easy memory in 19, in 1995, well, 94, I rode my bike from my bicycle from Niagara Falls to Nova Scotia. And then on that trip, somebody, another person who was traveling said, what are you going to do next year? I hadn't thought about it at all. And I just blurted out, I'm going to cycle Europe. So sure enough, I went back to Portland, got my fine dining job back, saved all my money. And the next summer I was biking through Europe. Uh, I found myself uh, in Northern Ireland and I went to uh, Bushmills. Uh, I'm, I'm on a bicycle. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I was gonna, I was like, you're still on the bicycle? Yes, I'm still on are. the bicycle. Yeah. And I find myself at the uh, Bushmills and I, I signed myself up for the tour. And, uh, and at that time, they were not, this was 1995, they weren't tasting people. In, in the in the comparison flights they were comparing it to scotch um in, in 95 huh. and so i got to taste the millennium millennium from bushmills and this was 95 it had been laid down in 75 and was going to be bottled in 2000 as a 25 year old as a millennium whiskey and i got to taste that out of the barrel and that was literally the first whiskey that i was like damn yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> this is uh, this is something else. And and then I uh, fast forward when I worked in New York years later, I got to taste the bottle again at a bar that I worked at, which was special as well. So that was that was the first early memory of like, wow, this is something that's going to hold my attention for a while. And what did that trigger? Like the thirst to try more things? Yeah, because I, at that point, I was really heavily into wine. I was a wine guy. I sold wine for a living. I mean, I was always a bartender, but I was always assistant wine guy, too. And I thought wine was going to be my focus for life. Uh, but that was a whiskey that was like, wow, this is, yeah. This is, uh, this also has depth, and I could spend time learning about this, too, instead of just focusing. Well, on- that's the thing. It's, you know, like you saw with me, it's like, I, I, lo- I love just smelling it and taking a few sips here and there and just going like, man, what do they do here? Why, you know, like, this is crazy how, because the liquid itself, you know, other than the proof when it goes into barrel and then age, like, it's like you'd really, unless it was previously known, you're kind of unsure what the end result's going to be like when you right. finally decide to like, you know, and then, you know, there, there's, there's people in the industry that they, you know, I've heard they call them the cleaners where they can clean up liquid that doesn't taste so good. And then there's people that can uh, enhance when I say enhance, but like in a good way, they can be like, all right, if you put that in a sherry for like 12 days, boom, it'll, it'll just pop that whole whiskey out. Like it's really, whiskey is really special. Whereas wine, you know, it, you know, wine just sits in the bottle and technically should be getting better and better. Whiskey, right. once it goes to the bottle, is dead. Like, that's it. You know, it's bottled, it's it's over, and what you got is what you got. It's true. Look, look at all the innovations people are doing now with how they're doing the barrels, though. You yeah. talk about warehouse P wow. with, with uh, Buffalo Trace. Yes. You know, that you and I both know what that is. And yeah. 
And yeah. so that that's that's kind of a that's that's really a a twist on things. And, and and you know, and obviously they have the money to do that. But I would imagine if you want if you had a smaller distillery, you would also start experimenting in that way. Um, it's yeah, there's no limit. I mean, I mean, I think that there is this whole new generation of experimenters, you know, but like on that irk of Buffalo Trace, when I sat with Harlan last year and was drinking the B-Tax with him, I said, what's changed in your 35 years? He's like, well, the whiskey you're drinking right now is the cleanest because of technology. We can remove all the impurities that we might may or may not have known about right. and give you a clean whiskey. So I always go to the analogy of like, well, you know, you cook a steak in a nonstick pan or a skillet. They taste very different. I'm like I like the skillet, you know, but I guess, you know, like nonstick is going to be exactly perfect to what you want every single time. Different, always, different of opinion, but you know, there's there's a mass appeal. I always like the stories from uh, uh, you know when you're in Scotland and they they talk about well they had to replace the still so they take a hammer and beat the shit out of it and the way that it used to be to try to recreate the copper, and, you know. Well, to, even when you were there, you know, when you're in Scotland, they're like, oh, and this is where I'm like, what are all these holes in the still? They're like, oh, this is where we go do work, and then we just patch it over, and then we try to get the patch to look exactly like it did before we took it out. I'm like, yeah. this is a fucking full-time job right here. But it's yeah. it's so crazy, you know? All right, so, let, so okay, so you got the Bushmills thing. Now you're, it's in New York. We're like 2009, 2010. Is whiskey becoming more of your life in business? Um, and when I say in business, like what you're doing, you know, in fine dining and stuff, are you starting to notice whiskey's getting poured more? Yeah, definitely. I mean, like my kids were born in 2010. And the year before that, I worked at a place called a Voce in the Time Warner Center, uh, which was right up. It was one one floor down from Massa where I'd worked all that time. And there were like, you know, uh, yes, on the back bar, again, a wine focused grand award restaurant with wine. But the back bar certainly had sipping whiskeys, which really is what we're talking about here. We're not talking yeah. about talking about things you want to sip on instead of just slam, you know? Well, you know, what I'd say is if you're in the restaurant business, cock drinks, not cocktails, that are taking away revenue from a cocktail or a glass of wine or a glass of champagne. You know, like those are the general things people will order in the bar. So if you go to whiskey and you think like, all right, hey, I, that's kind of crazy. That guy just paid 50 bucks for a whiskey while he's waiting for his table as opposed to you know the $15 glass of champagne or the $18 chardonnay or the god knows what glass of wine right the whiskey became a player and i remember in my restaurants my bartenders would love that they're like that was the easiest thing i ever did for money right. i didn't have to do anything i didn't have to and like guy just came in and said give me a, a mcallen give me a belvaney you know give me a glenfiddich cool here it is buddy you know 25 bucks yeah so you're noticing that's happening. Are you are you getting are you still curious? I mean, I'm what I'm trying to catch here is like, is the bug inside you that you're there or you're just you're at work and it's happening around you? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this story. When I opened Travel Bar, I was very proud to tell everybody that I had 75 whiskeys that were six or seven dollars an ounce. Uh, you've been in Travel Bar. It looks nice. Yes. Uh, people yes. are intimidated by nice things. I'll never understand it in a million years. But, you know, it's not a dive bar, but it's not fancy either. It's comfortable. But yes. when I first opened, I wanted to impress upon people that we are affordable neighborhood bar. Uh, and I had this wide range of very good whiskeys that were available. 
Um, but over the over the nine year course and with the cost of whiskeys, of course, that has gone down. And I still have lots of whiskey to, that are in that price range, but I'm not going to hand sell it to you. you know, if you come in yeah. and order it, you come in and look at it or look at the list or cherry pick the list, if you will, or what have you. Uh, yeah, great. I sell it. I want you to drink it. But at the same time, if I'm going to hand sell you something, it's not going to be seven bucks an ounce. And that's that's just the cost of doing business and also the wide variety of whiskeys I carry. I want you to taste How many? Okay, so you started with you. You threw out a number. You started with seventy-five. How many are you at now? You know, well, I, when I started, I had seventy-five whiskeys at six or seven, and at six, you know, there were there were under under seven bucks an ounce or whatever. So, yeah, uh-huh. we have four hundred whis- and eighty whiskeys. Wow, and you open up Travel Bar. Give give a little insight into the opening of Travel Bar for the listeners. Sure. Yeah, Travel Bar. I've been a bartender since 1988. Uh, always uh, fine dining kind of atmospheres. Uh, never worked in Brooklyn, really. I mean, I, I opened Gage and Tallner, but that was a very short stint right before it closed originally. Uh, so I always say I never really worked in Brooklyn until I owned a bar. All my experience in, in New York is Manhattan, uh, you know, mostly fine dining restaurants. Uh, when the kids were born, I did take a 4 a.m. job at a bar. Um, and uh, but mainly travel bar was just a my vision of the 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 bar connected to a fine dining restaurant without the food. So we're service oriented. If you, you know, we have so many whiskeys. I have a, it's my job to tell to remember what people drink. So the last time they're in. You know, oh, you had this last time and you didn't like it. I think you'd like to go this direction or or if I'm with the client and they are drinking, um, uh, you know, peated whiskeys at that point of the night. And then I say, oh, you, oh, man, you would really like this whiskey, but don't drink it now because your palate's shot. So next time I see them, they'll say to me, hey, you wanted me to drink something the first time I came in next time. Oh, yeah, it was this one. That's part of the service of owning a neighborhood bar, seeing people often. And also just having interaction with people. It's, 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 do you talk about passion? Whiskey's my passion. So, and you know, I, I, I only get to have this passion if I can sell it to people. There it is. I mean, it's a shared, it's a shared experience. I tell people the passion part of it, you know, the the AB, the AB is real easy, you know, pick a poor, poor, poor. Okay. So travel bar kicks out like, so now you have your place. Yeah. How soon before it gains notoriety years years we we uh i watch the best whiskey bar list come out year after year after year when while we were open and never get on them um i didn't have the money for a pr machine kind of thing so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my attitude was anybody i anybody i saw write a whiskey article on any platform for any magazine for any outlet I wrote to that person and invited them to sit down with me at travel bar, have a dram and talk about whiskey for free. And that's how I know every whiskey writer in town to this day. And who was the first one to take that? Amanda, take Schuster. Amanda Schuster, for sure. Uh, Aaron Goldfarb, Amanda Schuster, Robert Simonson, Clay Risen, uh, Susanna Skeever Barton. Uh, wow. So you, Parsons. 
I mean, I the list goes on and on and on. Jonah Flicker, yeah. Um, you know, it's just you know, it, it's and okay. then it's ever evolving because there's always new people entering the whiskey game. So, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. And then okay, so now you're getting some write ups. Like, yeah. what's a like? What's the what's the first first of many, but like a proud moment of Travel Bar where you like I've landed. I would say the Bourbon Review. The Bourbon Review added us to america's top whiskey bars you know I, I laminated and put it on the door of the bar <laughs> i was proud oh. of that one so um and does the traffic start to come do people start showing up once these things are published not immediately no no not but but the people who it, it makes people rally that are already involved in your bar yeah they'll, they'll they'll be excited for you you know which is great um but uh, I mean, I get people all the time who's, you know, I, ha I had a group of guys come in from Colorado to have their their boys weekend before a wedding. It wasn't a bachelor party, but, you know, it was a bunch of friends getting together to go out and have fun. And they came to Travel Bar and they said they'd read about me in Whiskey Advocate. But, you know, and that was yes. from Colorado. They, they There was no communication ahead of time. They just came in and I was talking to them. How'd you hear about me? Oh, and then they told me the story. I was like, "Oh, that's great," you know. So it does pay. There is feedback, but it's you know, it's not it's not the next day. I'm not the I'm not the hottest thing on the block. When that's that's fine. And then when did you start? Like, I mean, you you throw some pretty insane events, some private tastings and stuff like that. When did that little gear kick in? You know, we've it really kicked in when our we we always did really elaborate anniversary parties. My first anniversary, we had $10, 21-year-old whiskeys. And, uh, you know, until the bottles were gone. So, uh, and so it was, and then the anniversary parties were just these really great celebration. I knew everyone in the room. It, the room was packed. It was a good, you know, I always made a punch with Stag Jr., uh, <laughs> which I <laughs> laugh about now. Um, but, uh, it, it, so that was really, and then there's always, it's just been gearing up more and more and more. This last fall, I did probably two events a week. This summer fall. And it got to be a little crazy, but in a good way. But, and I just, my thing is I always want to learn from somebody. You know, if, if yeah. I have somebody in who reps a brand or if I have, you know, I mean, this, you know, we had Drew Mayville at the bar a couple of weeks ago. And Drew Mayville is the master blender in the quality control of Buffalo Trace for the last 20 years. And he did a side project of the last drop and we bought the bottle of the last drop and he came and opened it and we did an event around it. And that night he said to me, you're the only bar I've ever opened this bottle in. And that's pretty special. That and, is really special. And the, the, and the, and the, my customers who were there that night, got to taste that bottle with him we tasted my single barrel of sazerac six eagle rare 1792 foolproof and we tasted the weller cypb they got to we all got to ask him any questions we wanted imagine that he's like, such a good guy and he's like, you know it's like his kid in the candy you know candy jar kind of can you know like you and i when we're, we walk into a whiskey bar and we go like oh 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 well, imagine having yeah. access to 20 years of Buffalo Trace and then making a blend out of your favorite. 
that's, that's, I mean, I was part of I was part of that release where they released the six liter OFCs for charity during yeah. all those uh, events, and and I remember interviewing him, and he's like, he's like, pretty darn good day at the office. Yeah, he's like getting making these getting these ready for 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 you you know for consumption. He's like tasted a lot of really 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 good whiskey to get to this level. I'm like, whoa, must be. He's like, yeah. He's like, I'm smiling. I'm smiling. Yeah, like, and that's and, and I think that that's the, that's a typical thing of him as a personality. Like they never saw this coming. They don't even know what it is, really. You know, like they're not involved in all that. So for them, it's just the pure excitement of seeing what they've been involved in come to life. Absolutely. And then I get to tap into that as a bar owner in Brooklyn. How good is life? That's yeah. I mean, those are those moments where you're like, whoa. Okay, so. I want to just dabble on this for one second because I know we've gone pretty American. For Scotch whiskey, what was a turning point for you on Scotch? Hmm, I don't know if I've ever. You got a pretty solid selection on I, Scotch as yeah, well at your bar. I, I'm, I will, I will say it right here, and I'll say it loud and clear. I am a Scotch drinker. <laughs> Everyone's surprised by that, but I'm, I am a Scotch drinker. Um, I like bourbon. But uh, if, you, if you're going to give me a choice, it's going to be a scotch. Um, well, I'd say with scotch, the thing that really got me excited that's changed since my, with my progression through scotch, the thing that has me most excited is independent bottlers. Yeah. And because I love the IBs, because they, they put out a different spin of a distillery that you know, but they're doing it different and it's cast strength and it's one single barrel. I love that. And once I find an independent bottler that I trust, because you don't often get to taste these before you buy them and spend a lot of money on the bottles. No. But once you trust an independent bottler, you kind of you kind of know it's going to be a good cask of whiskey. So I sell a lot of different independent bottlers, uh, Impex, uh, Adelphi. Um, uh, I'm, I'm listing a bunch of them, but, you know, it's it's. Uh, <laughs> Well, I call I call these independent bottlers like it's like a Polaroid moment. Remember the yeah. first time you took a Polaroid picture and you weren't sure how it was going to come out and you had to wait. And then you sit there shaking. You're like, oh, that was pretty good. But you had no freaking clue. It's like that's what it was like when they bought those 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 barrels. Yeah. In my mind, you know, like they had no idea. And then they do their spin on it because I'm obsessed with independent bottlers. And I totally agree. You know, once you find something, I mean, you know. If you follow my anyone who follows Rolex whiskey knows like Blackadder. I fucking yeah. love anything that they did. Like I just geek out on the whole simplicity, and I use that very loosely and with a lot of affection in what they did. There's no pomp and ceremony. It's like boom, throw it in a bottle. Good job. Have a good time. Yeah, I did a, uh, a during COVID. Uh, Raj Sabarwal did a uh, drammers event here in New York uh, for COVID relief in India. And it was, uh, so I, I volunteered the bar to do another one. And, uh, it was, we did nine, nine black adder whiskeys, scotches blind. It was, it was an amazing night in more ways than one, but so we raised $5,000 in one night as well. That's so awesome. So awesome. I mean, I, I, I feel like the independent bottlers really are the unsung heroes of innovation using legendary whiskey. Yeah, and there's several brands that I don't sell from the distillery. I don't sell Ben Nevis from Ben Nevis. I don't sell um, 
uh, Highland you sure as hell aren't selling Clint. You're not probably not selling Clint Grant either. I mean, they got it all out there. Yeah, <laughs> in the independence. Uh, now they're coming back. Yeah, I mean uh, Ardmore. I don't sell any Ardmore that isn't done by an independent bottler. And it, it, there's always a rabbit hole. Like Ardmore is a great example. So Impex Collection Number Two comes out. They've got a 13 year old Ardmore. It's my favorite in the collection. So then I go seeking other 13 year old Ardmores because they've bought it from a broker and that broker's got more than one cask, right? So I know that the other independent bottlers that I know are also going to get a cask. So then I find the Sweet Dram. Ooh, I didn't even think of that one. Gee, I didn't even think of that rabbit hole. Sweet Dram has the 13-year-old and they've finished it for six months in an Isla cask. And then Barry, Barry has one. Yeah. You know, and, and I got to taste that at Golden Promise this summer in uh, Paris, which we could talk an hour about that, uh, <laughs> that bar. Um, but yeah, so these rabbit holes come up because you're just, you're already pretty deep, just knowing what, what an impex 13 year old Ardmore cast strength is. And then to try to run with that, it's, you know, it's, it's fun. So tell me let's, so we got a scotch drinker, we got bourbon. Now we're in travel bar and now things are, I mean, you're definitely very, 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 very much so on the map. Are you noticing from a client perspective that the stickiness of your regulars is getting sticky or you ready were just because you're great at customer service? Uh, you're saying that people I have repeat business? Yes. Yes. Like I have, it's really, it's, yeah. 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 I have, uh, you know, I think going back to the question of how I do so many events, I do so many events because I can bring to the table a whiskey clientele that knows a lot and asks really good questions. So when somebody comes in from Scotland or if Drew Mayville comes to the bar, the questions they get from the audience are fantastic and insightful and make them think, you know, that's so the, the, I always say that we're a neighborhood bar with a whiskey problem and I keep my prices low partially because my whiskey clientele didn't originally drink nice whiskey. They raised up with me. So, and now I've got a whole neighborhood drinking nicer whiskey because I've raised their platform. So, but I also get uh, people I, who come in every, from all over the world to drink whiskey. So I can, I can definitely see why um, I'll be back next month, by the way, to hang out with you. I'll get you the dates and I'm actually staying in Brooklyn. So oh, that'll be even easier for me for on the on the and I'm throwing up air tag the commute. <laughs> you know, I got to make it from the city. Um, all right, we've crushed through this interview. I'm going to ask you one more question. This is the one you know, and and I'm sure you've had a lot of these, uh, a lot more than normal. Is there a moment like a pinch yourself moment so far in your whiskey journey where you're like, holy fuck, that's pretty cool? Wow. Um, so you know you've had a few like like people i'll just give you a preface like i've got to do some crazy crazy stuff and it wasn't until i was in scotland you know a little while ago where i went to that distillers 101 and i yeah. sat there drinking those one-of-one bottles and i'm like wow 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 yeah, <laughs> Who would have thought i would say <laughs> uh thanks to will Shragus, uh formerly of barrel craft spirits I was invited to be the first person who didn't work at Barrel to go to the lab and make my own custom blend. Uh, and uh, 
It happened last March. I was invited as the bar owner, and there's a gentleman named Jay West who does Whiskey Reddit and uh, and uh, Bourbon Raiders. Uh, uh, he was we we had never met. We went out to dinner the night before, talked about whiskey a little bit, got together in a room the next day in the lab at Barrel with uh, Nick Christensen. Uh, Chris Reisbach was there, Will, Trip, like the core group of people. And, uh, and we did this custom blend, which was just an amazing experience and to be the first to do it. And then to make this custom blend, it was 900 bottles that came out and, uh, just to be a part of that. And, you know, and then when the bottles hit the bar, you know, I, I cracked one open at noon on an empty stomach just to make sure it was as good as I remembered. And it was, and that was, that was, that's the moment you're talking about. I had done this cool experience already. And then sitting alone in my bar, cracking the bottle and making sure it was as good as I remember, I was like, yes, that was, that's the moment. They've got a hell of a team there. You know, I got to hang out with them this year in Vegas. They came to uh, the Universal Whiskey event. I mean, they've really done it. And if I think about like, what is it, a whopping four or five years ago when they were in my mind, getting started, I don't even know what the accurate date is, but the PR company reached out and they're like, hey, we got this barrel bird. We'd like to send you something to try. I remember drinking and they're like, this is different. And I like it. Well, they just had their 10th anniversary. Wow. Jesus, time is just fucking flying. Mike, <laughs> I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, my friend. I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Um, do you want to give any social media plugs? Um, thanks, Kevin. Uh, yeah, we are Travel Bar Brooklyn on Instagram. Uh, that's probably the main way that I communicate. Yeah. And if you want to, if anybody wants to message me through uh, Instagram, that's kind of my main way of communicating with people. My email is mike at travelbarbrooklyn.com as well. I Thank can't you. stress enough. If you're in the area, you got to go visit. It's just such a beautiful, curated experience, um, which is yours to take. You know, Mike will gladly go there with you. Um, or if you have your own ideas of where you want to go, it's just like it's it's walking in, in my mind, to all these beautiful paints, but it's yours to paint with. You pick what you do. And it's it's beautiful to see these kind of bars still exist and continue to thrive, I believe, worldwide, where it's just about a laser focused whiskey experience. No bullshit, no food, nothing else. Just keep it simple, stupid. It's a great whiskey experience. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for listening. I look, I appreciate each one of you. And uh, we'll be back with another episode shortly. And thank you so much. <laughs>